Hello, this is Maurice Harker. For almost 20 years, we've been building a team of hundreds of clinicians, coaches, mentors, and people just like you who have discovered and love to teach life-changing principles. Our coaches have made a special investment to make sure you can hear these messages. You will hear stories of triumphant healing from specialists and people having a real life just like you. We hope to increase your awareness that you are not alone and there are so many others who are enlisted in this work to train and heal the whole family. You will find these principles are an amazing synergy of the most accurate cutting-edge science with familiar gospel principles. We are passionate eternal warriors and we hope you will join us. Welcome. Gosh, I'm so happy that you are here, everybody. Today, I am so excited. I've been wanting to meet McCade Kerr for a while. I have noticed his face on the coaching page at Life Changing Services, and I've seen him in some meetings that we both are interested in attending. And anyway, I just have never really put his face for real. Like, that's McCade. And so I'm super excited to meet him with you and just a little bit I've heard about him in speaking to my colleagues at Life Changing Services as well as just before we press record on this episode I'm just really excited to get to know him better so yeah McCade hello hello thank you so much you are too kind (laughs) I would say it's the same the other way around for you I've been wanting to meet you for so long I feel like I've heard your name in so many different places. And this is the first time we've actually met. So I'm excited for this too. Awesome. So good. Well, yeah. So you listeners just sit back and enjoy yourself while McCade and I get to know each other. That's what we're going to be doing here. Right. <laughs> and you could join us. So just to get started, McCade, it would be so cool if you could just give everybody a sense of who McCade is and a little bit of your background, even growing up and yeah, wherever you're at now in your life and how you got right there in your life. And then after that, we'll go to more specifics about, yeah, what audience this podcast is focused on, so. Okay, sounds good. Let's see, so I'll just start with where I am now. I'm 24, I think, if I'm remembering right. And (laughs) Oh, that's uh, scary. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of scared for you that you said that because I'm, you know, I'm 50. I'm actually thinking, what 50 am I, right? But <laughs> if you're thinking that at 24, come on, McKay, you yeah, got it. I'm in trouble. <laughs> After 30, I'm just not even going to try to keep track. It's not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> okay, you're 24. 24-ish. I live in Portland, Maine, and I moved here a couple months ago. And me and my wife just moved here for fun. I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology from Utah State University this past December. Wow. And then my wife is doing her master's degree in speech pathology. And we could go anywhere in the country for it, the way her program worked. And we just wanted to go on an adventure. So Mm -hmm. we chose to come to Maine and we love it so far. It is beautiful. I've lived in Utah most of my life, but I love the ocean. And so it's been so great to just go to the beach when we want and it's so green out here so that's where I am right now it's so Um, cool doesn't that feel like a movie that feels like a movie to me like you're in a movie it honestly does sometimes me and my wife will just sit there and be like we are 
actually living our dream right now. We've talked about moving to Maine for years and we're actually here. <laughs> and so it's so fun wow. to be able to do that. We feel very, very blessed to yeah. be able to be living our dream. How long have you been married? We've been married for three years this coming August. So fun. Yep. It's been yeah. awesome. Anyone who's been married long time like me is saying, we are cheering our guts out for you. Go for it, Kate. McKay, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, so that's what we're doing now. I'm just working full time for life-changing services. I've got a few different roles, and I don't know if you want me to get into that now yeah. or if we'll get into that. Okay. Go for it. So I do a lot of things. I started as a personal warrior trainer or a PWT. I started that right at the beginning of 2021. So it's been about two and a half years now that I've been doing that. And then a little over a year ago, I became a client relations manager, which is now called a client success liaison. And so I do a lot of work helping people with questions or anybody who comes to life-changing services. I'm one of those people that reaches out and make sure they're doing okay, make sure they get the help that they need. And I also do bishop liaison work. So I reach out to all the bishops and stake presidents and make sure they know what's going on and they have the resources they need. And I do some eternal warriors mentoring as well. So a lot of different things. That's but, great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's so fun to help people. And yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I'll probably keep doing that for a little bit. My long-term plan is to go get a PhD in psychology and one day be a university professor doing research and teaching. So that's still a little ways down the road, but that's the plan. So good. Did you decide to do that because of just, you know, I like helping people. You just mentioned, is that how you decided I'm going into psychology and yeah. It was for me, my whole path through schooling and work has been very like just the next step mm. and for psychology is my first year of college my second semester I took a psychology class as a general class and I liked it and honestly I was tired of people asking me what I was studying and I have to say undeclared and psychology didn't have to like fill anything out you just clicked a button on the computer and that was your major so I was like I like psychology it's going to be easy to sign up for it and then I can say I'm a psychology major until I find something else that I want to do and I did like psychology, so I would have been happy to stay, like to have stayed with that. And I did stay with it. But mm -hmm. yeah, then my last semester of my undergraduate is when I decided I wanted to pursue a PhD and become a professor. So it's been very last minute. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that's a lot more schooling. But yeah, that's just a yeah. rewarding <laughs> thing. Once you get to research and teaching. Yeah. That's one of the things I love most is my job here is teaching people skills and principles that will help them. Yeah. And I'll catch myself in my PWT meetings, just going off for 10 minutes on a psychology principle that's going to help them. I can just talk forever about that stuff. And I probably will later <laughs> in this podcast too, but I love doing it. So good. All right. So tell us a little bit about how you met your wife and a little before that. Okay. So I met my wife in seventh grade, actually. What? And I, we won't do the long version of the story. It would take the whole podcast, but we were in an English class together. And like one of the first weeks or second week of school, we did an English project together, me and her and two other kids. And then we were kind of acquaintances for those first two years after that. But 
we ended up becoming friends in ninth grade and we just started hanging out in the same group. And then that just continued and we started dating at the end of our senior year of high school, wrote to each other on our missions and got married when we came back. So pretty, there, there's more complications than that, but honestly yeah. it was pretty much your kind of typical story that you'd expect. <laughs> Wow, that's that's sweet. I like I like your story. I like your story that that's your story. And now you're on an adventure. You guys have been on a long adventure so far. Yeah, definitely. We have done a lot of different things together. And it's fun. It's fun that I know her family so well, too, because I was super close. She has one sister, super close to her parents and her sister long before we ever started dating. Oh, wow. So I felt like I was already part of the family, which has just made it really great being married. We both feel very close to our in-laws and still very blessed. They're probably missing you, Claire and Maine, then. Yeah, they are, definitely. <laughs> That's so we cool. miss them, too, but it's good. We actually talked to them more. We, When we lived in Logan, we lived about an hour and a half away from them, and we would talk to them way less. And now that we live on the other side of the country, we're calling way more often. So I think we actually, <laughs> yeah, we communicate more now. Ooh, that's awesome. So good. Okay. Anything you want to tell us about before, when you were younger, before you met your wife, or a little bit about your biological family? Anything about that? Yeah. I have a great family. I'm the oldest. I'm actually a twin. And uh, so I've got a twin brother. Everybody asks if we're identical or fraternal. We've never actually done a DNA test. So <laughs> nobody really knows, but I think we're identical. He's a little taller than me, though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I've got him. Then I have a sister five years younger than me and a brother nine years younger than me. It's the four of us. Okay, so you you and your twin are the oldest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's fun. I actually have twins in my family. My oh, yeah? Yeah, I have a brother and a sister that are twins. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They, that's cool. They that would be way different. <laughs> yeah, they were born. They were born just two years after I was born. So okay, yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, it, it's been fun. They didn't really become friends till you know when they were little. They were friends. Then they hit adolescence and they became enemies forever. And then <laughs> now they're when they became adulting people, they became friends again. So makes sense. I feel yeah. like for me. I don't think we were ever enemies, but in junior high, there's very much like you have to kind of figure out who you are, who you are and your own identity. Yeah. And there was some time, probably like eighth grade-ish, where I'm like, I don't want to really be associated with him. Like I'm my own person. I'm not just one of the twins. Yeah. But by the time we got to our probably about junior year, we were best friends again. I mean, we were best friends the whole time, but I felt more com confident in myself and my own identity to always do things with him. Mm, that's awesome and is he also married yeah he got married a year after i did okay all right so you guys are still kind of in the same season mm -hmm. yep it's really fun that's awesome all right well how how did life bring you to life-changing services like what brought you here and then we'll just get into what you've learned and what you know all those kinds of things yeah so i guess my story starts 
a while ago, I bet most people's do, you know, you're young, just a kid and you're looking at stuff and struggled with pornography as a teenager, but it was very, I think for most people, it's probably this way, it was very, very slow happening, like just a little bit here, a little bit there, it wasn't really a big issue. And like, I knew it was wrong and I was trying to stop, but it wasn't like, I didn't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 16, actually, I had uh, somebody close to me who opened up, a friend who opened up about their own struggles. And I had never told anybody at that point. I was 16 years old, so I had struggled for a few years. And it was, it was exactly what I needed. And because of them, they encouraged me to talk to my bishop about it. So I ended up talking to my bishop and then to my parents. All of them were very loving, very supportive, very encouraging, very blessed to have the parents that I have. Wow. And, uh, but really, I mean, I've, I've talked to this friend since then, and I've just told him like, hey, you know, if you didn't do that, I don't know if I ever would have had the courage to share with anybody what I was going through. And it was just a small moment for him. You know, he could have chosen one way or the other, but the opportunity was there and he was vulnerable and he brought that up and it honestly changed my life forever. And so just a shout out to anybody out there who's struggling or who's in recovery or who wants to be in recovery, sharing that with other people. You don't need to shout it on the rooftops, but you know, if you have a friend or somebody that you're close to that you could share that with, you never know how it's going to help them and change their life as well. And so- I am forever grateful for that person and that vulnerability that they had in opening up to me. It really, really changed my life. Yeah, that's I just so people will have more courage to do that. Like, how did he do that? Were you just like eating a hot dog? I mean, what, what, how did that come up? Do you remember? Yeah, I was, let's see. I won't go into too much detail on the whole yeah. situation. But we were sitting there, we were actually at our church building, and we were talking to just the two of us in the hall, and we were just chatting, and we were both becoming priests soon. And so we were talking about that and becoming a priest and everything. And of course, you have an interview when you become a priest, you know, every, oh, what is the word for that? When you move from like deacon to teacher, teacher to priest or whatever, the bishop interviews you to make sure you're worthy and everything. Yeah, And we were just talking about that and that we yeah, were going to become priests. And he just kind of brought up that that's something that he was working on and that he was talking to the bishop about that so he could, you know, get clean and become a priest. And it was really, really cool for me to see that because like he's vulnerable enough to talk to his bishop and to share that with him. And yeah, so that was kind of the conversation. Then he helped me get the courage. And then a little bit later, I talked to the bishop too, before I became a priest and was able to share that. And we both became priests. There were no issues there, but it was just yeah, kind of a just moment, just the two of us talking about spiritual things. And that's how it came up. That's so huge because likely, if not every other guy that's hanging out, just trying to be awesome and you think they are awesome right Um, to hear that you know you're trying to be awesome but you have this issue that you feel like that is not awesome i've really tried to work on that it's just not it's just not working out as well as i thought it would once i when i feel so strongly that i'm not going to do that right yeah that self-mastery thing can feel so isolating and So that's just the coolest thing when somebody, when you find out you're not alone. 
Yeah, definitely. And for me, like it only made me love him and respect him more, right? Where I feel like people are afraid to bring that up because you're like, oh, what are they going to think about me? They'll think I'm gross or sinful. But for me, I was like, wow, you are in my shoes, but you were the one courageous enough to open up about it. And I needed your help. And so I just had so much respect that he was vulnerable enough to do that really made me just love him even more. Mm, so good. All right. So, good. Yeah. So moving forward, that wasn't the end of it. I still struggled off and on for the next few years, but at that point I would most talk to my bishop and to my parents about it. And I wasn't perfect and I wish I had done better, but just in the moment, you know, it's hard. It really is hard to open up about that. Yeah. And even when they know, you know, my parents knew at that point, but I still didn't want to tell them every time I lost. And so very hard. And we had some ups and downs, you know, sometimes I was doing really well, sometimes where I wasn't, and I was keeping it quiet again. But I ended up, I was able to not do it at all my senior year of high school. And I feel very grateful for, I had a really good group of friends in high school. And every sat no every friday morning we would go to the temple together before school and we do baptisms for the dead together and every tuesday our seminary did family history in the morning tuesday was late start for us and so when school would normally start they did family history for an hour and i would go with some of my friends and we would do that wow. as well and i feel like it was the blessing that i got from that you know i was doing my best to do the right stuff and because i was going to the temple and doing family history weekly i think and I didn't really know about Sons of Helaman or anything by that point. Yeah. But I was just trying to do what I could do. And I think that's the blessing God gave me is he helped me overcome that for the my senior year. It was really great. I did, after I graduated, ended up losing a few battles in between graduating and going on my mission. I went on my mission that summer. Mm-hmm. But I talked to my bishop and state president and we got that all worked out. Right. And then I went on my oh, mission. I need to ask you yeah. one question before yeah. we go on because... Oh, it's so cool that when you told your parents, they were like, so awesome about it. But it's also, you know, now that we know about it, and we're kind of checking in with you, and you are working with the bishop, and we know that. But we, yeah, what did you notice your parents did that was helpful for you once they found out and supported you in that little space right there in high school? Because a lot of parents are navigating that thinking this is really tricky especially yeah. when it's when hard. we think when we think yeah how do we talk about this and you just mentioned you didn't want to bring it up as much either cuz it is really hard to talk about yeah. but parents feel like ah we need to talk about this it's just such a tricky thing because sexual self mastery is a very personal thing yeah <laughs> yeah definitely a good question I think my parents did the best that they could I think they weren't perfect I definitely wasn't perfect I think there's a lot of things we could have done a lot better together I know it was hard at some points one thing that I would recommend not doing is asking about it every time you're just having kind of one-on-one time with your child Mm. that was something that was hard for me especially I didn't notice as much with my mom but with my dad a little bit more is like I wasn't just one-on-one with my dad super often you know usually he'd come home from work the whole family was there we do stuff together right but when I was one-on-one that always came up and it made me not want to be one-on-one with my dad 
because I knew anytime I was just one-on-one -on -one with him, even though it was totally out of love. And honestly, I needed the help because I wasn't being as, as accountable as I should have. Yeah. I knew that he was going to bring it up and I would probably have to lie or admit that I was messing up and it just was painful. So yeah. one thing that I think we could have done better is just be more open and just say, hey, like we should talk about this maybe every maybe every day I'll send you a text or every week I'll just check in on Sunday and see how you're doing and just make it so when I'm going doing something one-on-one -on -one with my dad I'm not like oh is this going to come up is it going to be awkward is it going to hurt but I'm like I can just spend time with my dad and love it and know when the accountability is going to happen oh that's really good that's a really good tip that's that's what I noticed growing up is one of the hardest things for me I do know one thing that I really loved about both my parents is neither of them ever were angry at me. Anytime I would say that I lost a battle, maybe they were, but they didn't show it. They always showed love. And that was huge for me is even though like it was hard for me to be accountable, it's hard for anybody, but I knew if I told them, they wouldn't be mad at me. They wouldn't dislike me. And Satan would try to convince me of that. But deep down, I knew they loved me. And when I told them, they still loved me. And they just wanted me to have the life that I wanted to. So just always showing love in that area, super important too. So good. Okay, so you got on your mission. That's where you left off at your mission. Yeah, so on my mission, I was great. I had an awesome mission. I served in the Barbados Bridgetown mission. And oh, wow. Super fun, a few different islands in the, in the Caribbean. And- That's a really fun. Yeah, it was awesome. I didn't struggle with it all, at all there. Obviously, there's temptations and stuff, but we still had brick phones and stuff, and each companionship only had one, and there were lots of rules to keep you safe. This was before. Facebook was in a lot of missions at this time, but it wasn't in my mission yet. Okay. And so there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to lose any battles, but came home from my mission, and I immediately noticed temptations, you know, from day one. Mm. And I was like, oh, you've got to. <laughs> I noticed yeah the temptations right away and I was like man I thought after my mission it would be over like it was two years of not losing battles how is it back so soon this doesn't right. make sense Ugh. and luckily I was more open with my parents at that point and so I talked to them about it and before I ever lost a battle I said hey I'm noticing this te these temptations I want to be accountable with you guys I want to have help and so they were open with that really good mm. and then uh, even though we were accountable, we just didn't know, you know, we didn't have the tools. Yeah. And so a little bit later, I ended up losing a battle again. And it never got to the point where I was in high school, but I still had ups and downs, you know. Yeah. And I'd go about a month or two without losing, and then I'd probably lose a few battles. And then I'd go a month or two without losing, and I'd lose a few battles. Mm. And I, you know, I was doing that in, oh, yeah. I was just going to say, let's talk a little bit, because I think that is shocking for elders to be on a mission and just serve their guts out, right? They just, and they notice, boy, this, cause I think it's kind of the hope, like when I get on a mission and then I'm noticing, oh, this is doing, I'm doing so much better in this area. So I think a lot of missionaries come home from their mission and they, yeah, they, the temptation is really much greater than they expect. And it's much harder than they expect to withstand it. And, and then because they were 
they struggled before they did so well right and then they just they feel like and then i fall that must mean you know satan's so good at saying this well that didn't mean anything right yeah so anyway just that i don't know how have you or how did you make sense of that is it when that happened and with the men and and young men you've worked with probably too they're just you know when they fall hard like that after thinking i was doing so good especially consecrating so much time to the lord and even though it doesn't come blatantly out if you do a b and c then you're going to get d all the way to z right and so we kind of had that little belief with I did so good on my mission. I think I took care of that. Yeah, I think, I mean, at the moment it was confusing to me. Looking back, there's a couple of things that kind of helped me understand it better. Mm-hmm. One thing is just understanding the psychology and the neural pathways in your brain where all growing up, you build these neural pathways where, for example, I'm lying on my bed, on my phone, by myself, and I'm bored. And all of a sudden there's these temptations to lose the battle. And I build that habit of losing battles in the same place, doing the same thing. And I go on my mission and I don't lose any battles, but I haven't laid on my bed on my phone when I'm bored the whole two years on my mission. And then Ah. I come home and I'm in that same spot. And so even though my body is used to not losing battles, when you put yourself back in that old situation, you haven't really erased or changed those neural pathways, even though they've got diminished because you aren't using it, it, it opens up really quickly. Mm. and so I think that's helpful to understand and that's really helpful in a small setting too I see this a lot as a PWT and in my own life where you're sitting maybe at your desk doing homework and you're tempted and you get up and you do a really intense flag pull and you feel good and then you sit back down at the same place doing the same homework and nothing about your environment has changed and it's that same kind of thing where you're back in that situation your brain says oh last time I was here you know, it's a satanic spin, those cabinets opening up. Oh, I was feeling this when I was here. And even though you got to a level zero on your flagpole, you're back to a level four before you know it. Mm. And then you're losing a battle. And so I always tell guys, when you do a flagpole, go somewhere else afterwards. If you're doing homework, go to a different room. If you're watching TV, you know, turn it off and do something else. But even just stand instead of sitting, if there's nowhere else you can go, but change something about the environment. Because if you do that flagpole, then go right back to where you were. It's going to be very hard to keep winning. Mm, I love that. It's a little bit of a tangent, but kind of on the same line of everything. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's so good. Makes so much sense. Yeah. So understanding that and just how the brain works helps. And also understanding Satan. Mm -hmm. There's a part, I believe this is in Armed with Righteousness. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But Mm -hmm. there's a story about a man traveling to a village and he sees like this whole town and there's one little devil and he says, oh, that must be like the most righteous city in the world. And the person with him says, no, that's the most wicked city in the world. Satan only needs to leave one little devil there to keep the whole place wicked. Mm -hmm. Then he continues. He sees this old man walking up a hill and there's six big angry devils just yelling at this man. And the guy says, this must be the most wicked man in the world with how many devils are there. And the person with him says, no, these, this is the most righteous man in the whole city or the whole world. Mm-hmm. And Satan uses everything he's got and he still can't feed him down. Wow. And so I imagine that when you come home from your mission is you're the kind of person that Satan needs to put his biggest, angriest, meanest devils on. And he's, Satan doesn't play fair. You know, he's going to attack you and he's going to hit hard. So 
those, those two things, understanding the neural pathways and the attacks from Satan, I think really help somebody understand that situation, which can help beat shame when you're in the situation, but when you know about it ahead of time, can help you prepare. You say, okay, when I come back, I need to change those neural pathways. I need to be aware of Satan's temptations and attacks. Mm-hmm. And I would love if people who have been in Sons of Human before their mission, I think they should come right back in for at least a few months after their mission and just get right back into that place of, okay, this is what I need to do to win. This is, you know, my border patrol. This is the accountability. And so you're just right from the get-go. Satan doesn't have that chance to beat you down. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so great that you mentioned that because I agree. I wish that every mom that's just so grateful that we made it to the mission finally, <laughs> right? Yay, we're there. We we did it. Oh, it's just so huge. And the last thing they want to hear often is, well, whether he needs it or not, just come right back because that would be so helpful. He can come right in as a general. It'll be free because he just enters in it as a general, right? So just get him going right in there. So he, so he just, you know, gets right on that, you know, place where I have a more self-awareness, more support, and I more expectation of, yes, I am that guy that's walking up the hill with lots of demons because I'm, I'm coming back so shiny from my mission, right? I'm, I, the, of course, he's going to be so determined to take me down to knock yeah. me off of that shiny place. And so anyway, and I just think they see that as no way, no way. That's like telling them I don't believe in them. Right. And so, yeah, I love that. I, I agree. I almost think that should be like a thing. Like yeah. it should be like, here's your letter. Be sure to come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Honestly, for reals. So yeah, I love that. <clears throat> okay. So moving on so I started losing on and off a little bit and at this point my dad had done some research he knew about Sons of Helaman and life-changing services and so he brought it up to me a couple times and I was like you know everybody has this I'm not one of those guys I don't I don't struggle that bad I don't need to go to group and I was living that way for a few months and I actually had a, a roommate who was in he joined Ben of Moroni, a YSA group of Ben of Moroni, mm-hmm. and he told me about that. And I was, I was still like, I don't want to join, but like, that's cool that you're doing that, and it's cool to like see somebody that I actually knew who was doing it. Like, yeah. okay, so, like, it's just kind of opened the door a little bit more. And then, COVID nineteen happened halfway through my second semester of college, mm. and moved back home. And I think a lot of people this happened to, but. I just started struggling way more. You know, I'm home all day, selling electronics all day, not socializing, not talking to people. And just, I was also stressed about school because all of a sudden all my classes were online and I wasn't used to that. And a lot of things going on, I started losing much more frequently. Mm. And I remember one day sitting there doing homework. And I think I was living life at a level two at that point. I think a lot of the world was at the beginning of COVID. I didn't Mm. know what that meant, living life at a level two. Mm-hmm. somebody doesn't know who's listening it basically means just constantly having negative emotions that you're experiencing so good but I was there and when you're at a level two you don't have as much ability to win your battles you're not as connected to your frontal lobe but I remember sitting there doing homework one day and all of a sudden the temptation came to go lose a battle and it was out of the blue you know nothing led to it lots of times when somebody loses a battle like 
kind of gets up to that because Satan's not going to throw that yeah go look at porn right from the get-go kind of gets you to tiptoe into it but I was just doing homework and he said go lose the battle and I just realized I had no fight and I valued winning but like there is no part of me that was like maybe I should try to resist this and I lost the battle and afterwards I was like okay that was really scary to realize that like the fight has kind of gone away and it really scared me because that's not who I want to be that's not what I value but in that moment I basically had no control over my actions. It almost felt like, I feel like saying possessed by a demon is a little extreme, but it almost felt that way where like I was sitting there and Satan said, do this. And I did it. And mm-hmm. there is nothing to change that. And so after that, I went to my dad, I think that day or the next day. And I was like, I need to sign up for this program. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he helped me sign up and I signed up for a YSA men of Moroni group, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of different groups that we do for people who aren't as familiar. If somebody is a returned missionary, I would highly recommend they get into a YSA Men of Morona group. I think it's a really good program to be in if you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. We've got YSA Sons of Helaman and we've got Normal Men of Moroni and people coming home from their mission, they could go into any one of those three. It's really yeah. open for them, but I would definitely recommend YSA Men of Moroni. Because everybody's um, in that same season. Yeah. Absolutely. It's Just very post-mission or same age, figuring out careers and girls and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And you make some good friends. I've got friends that I still talk to from my group. Mm. So it's what, like three years ago that I was in group and uh, yeah, I got good friends from that. And just, it's a really good environment, but I got into that and it was exactly what I needed and all of a sudden everything started to make sense and I read like dragons that they fight I'm like oh my gosh this makes so much sense Mm. and I love group I love the guys I love my clinician and it just went really good I ended up what was the difference between oh no I'm not one of those guys that does it that bad right that needs a group like that so what did you go in that was like the obvious what okay this isn't what I expected it to be what was different than what you thought yeah, it was, everybody was like me or better, honestly, mm-hmm. and not necessarily their numbers, but just who they are as a person. It was a bunch of very Christ-like people who wanted to win their battles. We all had the same values. We all were fighting the same war together. Mm-hmm. And it was really encouraging to see these guys that really quickly I looked up to and respected because they were doing these amazing things and they were fighting so hard to win their battles. Mm-hmm. And they were showing up to group and participating. And we sent scriptures to each other and stuff. And it was super, super good. So did you expect it to be like, everybody in here is greasy and hairy and lives in an alley? Like, what did you I think? think? By that point, I didn't think it would be that way. Part of okay. that's because I said I had that roommate who did it. And so I oh, recognized yeah, yeah. that he did it. And I talked to him briefly about it. Good. But I didn't know what to expect with the guys. And uh, the first couple of weeks, I was still a little questionable I didn't like it's not like the first time I was like oh like they're all my best friends now (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it it happens over time as you work and as you battle together so it's probably a lot we could get into with that whole situation there were a couple main things that helped me in my own recovery that I would like to share Mm -hmm. one was this is something that it was taught by Ben Smith he was my clinician he doesn't work at life-changing services anymore but mm-hmm. he is an awesome guy. 
And one of the lessons that he really loved to teach is about the bull and the matador. And he would talk about that and he'd show us videos. And then he'd say, you need to have the, oh, what's the word? I don't think he used the word grit, but kind of like grit or drive that a bull has. And you need to have the precision of the matador. And he would talk about how the matador is very precise. They know every step they're taking. They know exactly what they're doing to get the bull to do what they want it to do. Mm. And very, very technical what they're doing. And the bull is the only animal that they can do like those kinds of things with or is like rodeos too. You know, if you are doing a rodeo with a bull, I don't remember all the details now, but he's saying that if you poke a bull with a stick, it gets more angry and any other animal, eventually it's going to give up and it's just going to turn away and like leave. But the bull never gives up. It just gets more and more angry and tries to kick you off of it if you're on its back or, you know, run mm. you down wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And so he talked about having kind of that determination that the bull has and the skill that the matador has. And that was a mindset mindset shift for me, that it was both. You needed the technique and you needed the drive. Mm. And then the other thing that was really helpful for me was my group. We had a, a group chat and, <coughs> excuse me, just a sec. Mm -hmm. We had a group chat. And it was a super good group chat. A lot of the guys were very accountable in it. People would post in there every day. It was very active. People would put their numbers in, they would share scriptures. And mm -hmm. one thing that we started doing is if you were struggling, you would send in a text that just says, hey, I'm struggling, I'm at a level two or level three. Is somebody available for a call? Mm -hmm. And luckily I was in it during COVID. And so a lot of us didn't have a ton going on and we had a relatively big group. And so almost anytime I texted that within the next two or three minutes, at least one person would reach out. Usually two or three people would reach out say, I'm available for a call. And mm -hmm. I just kind of made this rule for myself where when I was in a battle, I would reach out to the group. And every time I did, I would have a phone call and I would just be so much better afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I won a lot of battles that way. And those two things, kind of the mindset shift and the help from my brothers mm -hmm. in the group was what helped me reach graduation. Mm, so, that's such yeah. a good that's such a good testament of the power of connection when you are fighting an enemy. Like yeah. you know, there's there's that. Oh, one of the things in Eternal Warriors is, you know, here's some tactics that Satan uses to to make sure that you don't, you know, connect with the team to that you're stay isolated and one of them is to just tell you, you need to figure this out by yourself, or you got to be smart enough to figure this out by yourself. That's expected of people to figure stuff out by their, some, themselves. I mean, you are an adult or whatever. And then, yeah. yeah, it's just this big thing of a stupid soldier is one that would run into the jungles of Vietnam all by themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, connection, so true. connection is so huge. Yeah, it's vital, honestly. Mm. So, yeah, that's how that was. And I graduated group and I got married that August in 2020. And then I'm trying to remember when I wanted to do this, but somewhere around the time I was getting married or a little bit after I got married, I wanted to become a personal warrior trainer. Mm -hmm. I loved the group. I wanted to give back and I also needed a job. And so it went really well together. Mm -hmm. And I talked to some people about that. I met Ruben, who is in charge of all of those mm -hmm. things. And 
got signed up for the what do you call that the training or the yeah the eternal warriors um, mentor training yeah the certification exactly. uh-huh mm-hmm. and that was at the end of 2020 and then that went on for a few months and i think i got my first pwt client in february and i've been a pwt ever since then yeah what do you love about being a pwt and what are some of the things that you've noticed being on the training end of it I mean, there's a ton to love about it. I love, I brought this up at the beginning. I love teaching people. I love coaching people through things to teach them the skills that they need. I love connecting with the guys and really just seeing them for how awesome they are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cool when you're in those meetings, see these guys who are struggling and a lot of them just don't have a ton of self-worth. I think most of us, when we struggle with that, we struggle to find that self-love or that self-worth but I'm there with them. And I'm like, you are doing awesome. Like, look how you just did with your goals. Mm-hmm. Look how you did with your battles. And just to see them for who they are is really cool. But yeah, yeah, I love to love to see things click for them too. That's one of the most like golden moments of being a PWT is when you're with somebody and they bring up an issue or a limiting belief and you share your thoughts with them and you kind of walk through it together and you just see a click and there's a mindset shift and they're like, oh my gosh, like, this is what I've been missing. I didn't realize I had this limiting belief holding me back. I had no idea I could do it this way. And that's mm-hmm. super good. Oh, that's so good. And just in case people don't understand, because personal warrior trainers are a thing at Life Changing Services. They're they're a big deal. They're quite, yeah, they're, they're quite crucial to the success. But what exactly is a PWT and how does... Yeah, how does that correlate to the programs that we have so that people listening will be like, all right. That's a super good question. So PWT is essentially a one-on-one coach that somebody in a program will meet with in addition to the group meeting. And the PWT, their main focus is helping them with manpower goals and helping them with passion project stuff. But really, they're doing that to help them learn how to apply the principles that they're learning in their group program. And so we talk about it, something that I share with people, I think most PWTs share this in their first meeting, is that in group, this is where you learn the strategies that you need to win. And with your PWTs, when you build up the strength that it takes to use those strategies that you're learning. Mm. And uh, I believe they have it for the programs with women, but I, of course, only do it for the programs with men, with Sons of Helaman and Men of Moroni. Mm-hmm. And in these programs, it's, yeah, everybody who joins Men of Moroni or Sons of Helaman or one of the other programs automatically gets assigned a PWT, and the PWT will reach out and get those meetings started, but they just help you with that stuff, really helping you build up the strength you need to win your battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and they literally, like, every week, you have an accountability with like your manpower calendar and the six six goals that are required daily that, that you report on in group every week. Yeah, I actually really like that. I'm glad you brought that up because with group, you report how many days you're going in a row with perfect manpower. So manpower is six daily goals that you work on when you're in the program. And when you get all six of them one day, it's a perfect manpower day then yeah, at group, you report how many in a row you're going. There's a lot of variety, you know, somebody could get zero goals during a week and somebody could get five goals a day and they report the same numbers to group. 
but mm -hmm. in the PWT meeting, you get more detail. And so you're asking for exactly how many goals they got. And people come to me, lots of people when they start out, some people are in the mindset of all or nothing. And that's an attack Satan likes to use is, oh, well, I can't get this goal today for whatever reason. So I'm not going to try the rest of them. That's so true. And the PWT helps you have that accountability. And so when they come to me, I'm like, well, we got to talk about that now. So let's mm -hmm. work on that. Yeah. So just whatever increment you're at, it's, it's, yeah, it's this skill, this level of maintaining what you value over what feels like, well, since it's not good enough, I guess yeah. it doesn't really matter today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So what's the, what is, when you went to group, what was it about group that when you, the structure of group and what happened in group, you mentioned the bullfighter analogy, but you know, what was it about group that was totally like, that helps me to go to group? And what was it about your personal warrior trainer that was like, okay, that helps me. And that's why these two things helped you personally. Because some people might be asking the question, well, why don't you just get a PWT? Or why do you have to have both? How about if we just do the one, not the both? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I'm actually the best person for you to ask that to. I didn't actually really enjoy going to my PWT meetings when I was in group, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I I did see that it was helpful in group. It's kind of like I described earlier. You learn so much in group and you have that connection with the other guys in group. And I love that. I love learning with each other. I love that connection. And then, and but you don't really talk about your manpower goals very much in your group meetings. Yeah. And your manpower goals are so vital to these battles. They're like your border patrol or your foundation or your armor, however you want to think about the analogy is it's what's keeping you there every single day, keeping you close to the spirit, giving you the spirit of discernment, bringing you closer to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Ghost, all these things that you need on a consistent basis in order to win your battles. And you need... Most people that I've met with, me included, need a PWT, not only to get those goals consistently, but also to make them effective. Mm -hmm. There, There's people I've talked to that have a lot of manpower goals and their numbers are good with their goals, but they're still losing a lot of battles and they feel like they don't need to meet with a PWT because they have lots of manpower goals, like they're doing good with that. Mm -hmm. But if you're still losing lots of battles and you're doing good with your manpower, something isn't clicking probably. And you could use a coach to help you improve your goals, make sure they're helping you win your battles better than they currently are. Mm. So it's not just about getting the goals, but making them effective for you. Right. Because, oh, I'm just remembering one of the captain log questions that they use in the group is something like, what are your border patrol activities or what are your, what kind of drills have you set up and how often do you do them? And are they sufficient for you to win? Yeah. Okay, so that makes so much sense that it's, uh, yeah, it's like you can be checking all the boxes and saying, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But if they're not, it's like sufficient to win the day, right? Win the battle. Yeah. And some people that I meet with, we probably talk about that more than if they're getting their goals or not, where we're saying, okay, hey, you're doing really well, but 
something's not working for you let's adjust this let's change it and it's usually you know little things yeah it, it adds up and so your writing goals improves a little bit here your reading goal improves a little bit here your accountability improves here and then over time you just are in a better place ah, that's so good yeah that's so good and yeah, especially if you think, well, I'm doing it. It's the tool. I'm using it. I'm doing it. it. It's working. And then I'm going to group. And that gets super frustrating when you start spinning your wheels like that, right? Mm-hmm. So having a coach is vital to to just helping you to see what you can't see because it's like your hands right in front of your face and you just can't see around it. That's true. Yeah. It's so true. Sometimes you just need another perspective. I don't think I'm smarter than most people I meet with, but I've seen a lot. And I have that experience from my work as a PWT. And there have been so many times I'm working with somebody who's intelligent, who's smart, who's doing their best. And I bring up an idea and they're like, I never would have thought of that. I I didn't even know I could do that with my goals or I never, you know, never would have thought of that in a million years. And it's somebody who's smart, who's capable, but they just need that extra extra step and it goes vice versa sometimes my clients bring something up I'm like that's a really good idea maybe I should try that (laughs) right that's so good and it and it's good too because oh I think everybody assumes that it's always about doing something more harder than you're doing and sometimes it's not working harder just smarter right I love that I tell people sometimes you need variety sometimes more than you need to push yourself harder. Usually if you're not all the times, but for some people, if your goals aren't sufficient, you don't need to spend any more time doing manpower. You don't need to do anything more difficult. You just need to do something different. Mm. That's so good. Ah, so good. Okay. So you became a personal warrior trainer and where do do we want to go from there was there somewhere else you were headed that i was like yeah before we started i just said what is something that just really stands out to you that you want to make sure you 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 know say in the podcast and i just love that you said oh i know three things go for it yeah okay i will try not to talk forever about it Um, i'll try to keep it brief but three these in my time as a pwt i've seen a lot of different guys there's lots of patterns that Satan uses. And these are three that I've noticed that we don't always talk about in the program, but I think when you can see these strategies and recognize them, they're going to help you a lot. The first one that I see a lot, I call this Satan hiding his lies behind truth or beneath truth. Mm. And a lot of what we do when we meet, when we analyze lost battles, is we figure out what were the lies that Satan was telling you. And I found that Satan will tell people something that's true, but he's kind of distracting them from the real purpose. And there's a lie that they're believing hidden underneath that, even if they never think it consciously. Mm. And so let me give a couple examples. Yeah. One is, let's say it's really late at night and you haven't done your prayer goal yet and you need to pray, but you have a big test tomorrow and you stayed up later than you should have and you need to go to sleep. And Satan comes at you and he says, oh my gosh, you're so tired look what time it is. You need to go to bed. You need a good night's sleep for your test tomorrow. That's very important. And when I ask people for lies, sometimes that's what they tell me is, oh, Satan was telling me this and this and this. I'm like, that's all true. You were tired. You do have a big test tomorrow. You do need sleep for your test. The Mm -hmm. lie that you're believing that's hidden underneath that is that your prayer goal is going to get in the way of that. If you kneel down and pray for five minutes, you're still going to have a good night's sleep. You'll still be able to do well on your test tomorrow. And you'll probably do more because you connected with God. 
Mm. And so you see that all over and you can find those patterns in the scriptures. I think another good one is Adam and Eve, where mm. they eat the fruit and then God is coming down and Satan says, you're naked, hide. And so Adam and Eve hide. They were naked. That was true. The lie was that they needed to hide from God because of that. And the truth was they didn't. God had already seen them that way. God was their creator. There is no need to hide. But what Satan told them on the front was true. But they were believing a lie underneath that. Mm-hmm. And so I would say this one takes a little bit of practice sometimes to figure out. But if you're ever at a point where you feel like you can't live according to your values, maybe you can't get the goal that you set that day or something else, and you just feel like you can't, and there's truths that are proving to you that you can't, I would take a step back from that and say, wait, if there's something true that's preventing me from living my values, that usually doesn't add up. Is there a lie hidden underneath these truths that I'm believing that's leading me away from what I value? And Mm -hmm. lots of times from that mindset, you can do that. Another trick to figure that out is adding therefore at the end of the truth. So for example, I'm tired true therefore you shouldn't say your prayer goal oh okay that's the lie i shouldn't say my prayer goal mm-hmm. i have a big test tomorrow therefore you shouldn't say your prayer goal because you'll be up too late no i won't that's not true i won't be up too late if i pray for five minutes mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah and it's it's so awesome but it almost is like it almost makes you feel silly because you're like that is so weird how I just believe something that's going to take me five minutes. Yeah. I just, yeah. Cause it's like, your brain is like true, true, true. Okay. Go to bed. Yeah. And that's why Satan does it that way because he knows if he says, Oh my gosh, if you stay up five more minutes, there's no way that five minutes will make the difference between a good night's sleep and being super tired the next day. You'll be like, that's, that's ridiculous. But he okay. says, he just fucks you. You're tired. You need sleep. And he doesn't emphasize that lie so Mm -hmm. that's a testament to how good people are when satan's using that on them because he knows he can't lie to them outright he has to be subtle yeah that's so good that's just really good to notice i love that thank you another strategy that i see satan use a lot is he'll narrow somebody's vision and it's often an either or situation and this, this ties closely to the other one sometimes, maybe for the same example, it's either I get my manpower goals or I go to bed on time. It's either I do this, either I do that. And you just feel trapped. And I see that all the time where somebody has a goal. Oh, I can't get this. I didn't bring my book on vacation. So I can't get my writing goal. I can't keep track of my goals because I didn't bring my book with me or my journal with me. Mm-hmm. I can't do this because of this or this. And it's just very much of an, a narrow vision. And God, he broadens your vision. Satan will always narrow your vision and bro- God will always broaden your vision. Mm-hmm. God is the most creative being in the universe. And he has solutions that we can't even think of. Mm-hmm. And so if you ever feel like you're trapped and you don't feel like there's options for you, whether this is with your battles or your manpower goals or whatever, that's a big red flag that Satan is narrowing your vision and he's hiding ideas from you. And you take a step back from that and you pray and you ask God and you say, what am I missing here? I feel like I'm stuck. I have a very narrow mindset on this. I see only two solutions. What is the third solution? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can 
do my journaling on my phone. I can download Like Dragons Did They Fight on my computer so I don't need my physical book with me. I can, you know, mm. pray in the car on my way to work. I can do this. I can do that. There's lots of different solutions. Be creative and allow God to broaden your vision. Mm. That's Seriously. so good. It's like saying, I'm between a rock and a hard place. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And God is like, well, look behind you. Look at the option that you're not seeing. Right. It's like, yeah, if you just look up, I could help you out with that. Right? Yeah, honestly. That's so is... it's just like the other example you you shared though. It's like we don't it's weird how we can't see it. It's almost like silly when you think about it. Like, why wouldn't I think? Well, of course there's another idea. Right? Yeah, that's true. People do that all the time in my meetings. They're like Oh, I didn't do my writing goal. I didn't have my journal with me on vacation. I'm like, well, was there any other option? They're like, well, I suppose I could have done it in my phone. I'm like, yeah, I could have got a piece of paper. Yeah. Like you can get a rock and carve it on the sidewalk for all I care. Just like do something, be creative. And the principle of psychology really illustrates this well. We talked about earlier how level twos make it more difficult to win your battle when you're experiencing a negative emotion. There's a principle in psychology called the broaden and build theory. And it essentially says in with our emotions, when you feel a negative emotion, it's closely tied to the fight or flight response. And so our brains are designed to think narrowly. You know, if you're being attacked by a bear, you don't have time to think, oh, what's the best way to get out of this? You either run or you fight. There's, yeah. and that's good. Yeah. God designed our brain to be that way to keep us safe. Yeah. But the broaden and build theory says that positive emotions actually do the exact opposite. They broaden your mind, they broaden your vision, and they allow you to see things and think more creatively than you could otherwise. And so Satan has that to his advantage. When he gets you to a level two, your brain is already designed to think more narrow. But if you can do something to feel a positive emotion, your brain is going to naturally open up and see things more, more broadly. Mm that's that's awesome so when you're when you are advising as a pwt what are some of the positive things that someone could go to when they're in those places where they're like for some reason my brain will just not find the answer to this like what positive thing can they do besides meet with their pwt that can say well did you think of something else to do you know you could have done yeah. something else yeah that's a really good question I think first thing, do a flagpole. There's more going on in your brain than just one thing. So doing a flagpole and I suppose we don't need to go into depth on what that is here. But when I say flagpole, it just means doing something physically to help bring your brain chemistry back to where it should be to get rid of those negative emotions in a sense. Yeah. Do a flagpole. And then with that flagpole, probably you should have a list already made somewhere, either just mentally or in your phone on things that you can do to help you feel something, a positive emotion. Two really easy ones is gratitude. You can do that anywhere. Just list five or 10 things you're grateful for mm -hmm. or service. Serving other people, being selfless is a really good one for that as well. So you go clean something or text somebody that you're thinking about them or whatever. And these are really quick ways to feel that positive emotion that's going to help you broaden your vision. And then always connect with God too. Like I said, he's he knows the options. And so mm -hmm. pray and ask for that discernment. That's so good. 
So we can get into the last one. I don't know how much time we have. Sorry, yeah. I don't know if I'm talking too long. No, go but... ahead. Finish number three, and then we'll just wrap up. That's so good. Okay. Sounds good. So this one, I call this the now mindset versus the, the later mindset. Lots of people think about this as procrastination. But you think about an example where somebody says, oh, you know, I'll, it's late, I'm tired. I'll get my goals tomorrow. I'll start that tomorrow. Or it's early in the day and you made the plan to get your goals done early. And you say, oh, well, I kind of want to sleep in or I kind of want to do something else. I'll, I'll do these goals later in the day. Or with their battles, you know, oh, I'll I'll start winning tomorrow. That's when I'm going to start winning. Or I'll join group tomorrow. Or starting tomorrow, I'll start to be more accountable with these things. And the big lie that Satan uses is it's just this once, right? Is it really going to hurt you in the big scheme of things if you don't pray just one night? But God is merciful. He'll love you. You'll, like, you're fine. You're still going to get to heaven if you don't pray this one time. Mm -hmm. But what Satan's actually doing is he's putting you in what I call the later mindset. And when you're in the later mindset, it doesn't change unless you actively change it. Because there's always later. You know, you wake up the next day and you're still in the mindset of I'll do my goals tomorrow. And then you wake up the next day, I'll do my goals tomorrow. And that will go on forever. And people will tell you that, you know, people who have been battling for years and they've been saying, okay, I'm going to start winning then, or I'll sign up for group then, or I'll really put all my all into group in just a little bit. And then people go years losing their battles or not getting their goals or not coming closer to Jesus Christ. And these one things that don't hurt you really add up. Mm. And so when you're aware of that, anytime you have the thought, oh, missing this once won't hurt, or oh, I can do that later, or I can do that tomorrow, recognize that he's putting you into a mindset that's going to drag you down to hell if you never get out of it, and go, mm. you need to actively decide to live in the now mindset, which is, I'm going to do this now, I'm going to get my goal now, I'm going to start being more accountable now, as mm. soon as that temptation comes up, because when you're in the now mindset, he can never use that on you. In fact, he gets scared to tempt you because when he says, oh, don't pray, you say, oh, prayer. I didn't even think of that. Thank you. I'll say my prayer right now. Mm -hmm. And you just get into this habit of doing these goals as soon as you think of them. Mm -hmm. If you're in a place where you can't do the goal, you make an active plan and you have some sort of accountability with that. Maybe you're at school and you can't do your reading goal at school. And Satan says, oh, just do your reading tomorrow. You have a lot of homework to do tonight. You sit down and you say, okay, no, look, I've got 20 minutes between you know, 5.30 and 6, that I could do my reading goal. I'll put that in my calendar. I'll text somebody from my group or my mom to be accountable. Mm -hmm. And then that's still actively living in the now mindset because you're doing something right then. You're not just mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to do it later, but you say, no, I'm making a plan now. Does that that's make sense? Good. Yeah. Make a plan now and speak it to someone. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. And yeah, that's that's so awesome because it's it's such an yeah, that's such a normal thing too. You know what? I have all day, right? Or yeah. I have, I have. What's this one thing gonna? How's this gonna affect all of that? Right? It's mm -hmm. that's the one I think in the coaching that I do. Just that that awareness of, yeah, just small, simple things, intentionally, you know, bring great things to pass like we learn in the scriptures but mm -hmm. it, it's so weird how we can be deceived right there like it's just a small simple thing right yeah doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah wow that's really awesome to just do it right now that's awesome
Wow, those are great. Those are so great. I think, yeah, we should all pay you some money for teaching us those three things. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, so they are. And I mean, Satan uses so many strategies, but those are patterns that I see consistently all the time in my work and in my own life. I yeah. think when somebody can understand those and discern those, they gain a lot of power over Satan. Yeah. And there's such common things that happen to humans, right? Yeah. So common. Every single day. Yeah. So yeah, if you have a heightened level of awareness on those three things, that's brilliant. That's so good. Thank you, McCade. And thank you. Yeah. So just to wrap up, if you were to be talking, oh, to, yeah, to someone as you've, as you've noticed the things that you've learned personally and how they've been even more fortified as you've been on the side of now I'm seeing my own personal battles, but I'm also supporting people in their battles. Like what are some of the things that you would encourage people with who are yeah stuck in that place of i'm not even gonna start to yeah I, eventually this is gonna figure itself out because i'm gonna you know i'm just gonna figure it out i'm gonna get better yeah. at this or someday i'll just get married and that'll fix it or you know just all these things that we think yeah i think I mean, I would tell somebody it's it's not true when you think that. It's just not true. How many guys have said that? And then they're in Sons of Human when they're 20, 21, 22, and they haven't gone on a mission yet. Because when they were 14, they said, oh, I'll take care of this before I go on my mission. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Or how many guys are men of Rona who have been married for years? And they're like, oh, this will go away. It's, it's just it's not true and i would say just do something just do something to make a difference right now download like dragons that they fight and read it sign up for a group if you haven't yet if you're part of a group text somebody make a plan meet with your personal warrior trainer again text me i don't know if we can put that in the notes of the podcast but totally i i talk to a lot of people every day as i work as a client success liaison i don't remember if i said that yet or not yeah. Okay. But like, I'm here to help. And if you don't have anybody else to talk to, find the phone number in the podcast notes and just say, Hey, like I heard your podcast and you help, or I just want to do something now just to start changing this mindset. And that's all you need to do. Just something. And we can start moving from there. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That is amazing to me that when you just put a little bit of light on a dark place, It's crazy how much power it takes from the adversary and how much more agency you then have to do something. It's it's amazing to me. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, McCade. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you. Yes, same. It has been so fun. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Oh, you're so welcome. And yeah, I know you as listeners are also appreciating getting to know McCade. And if you're like me, you're like, oh, it's so good. It's so wonderful to hear these, the things that we learn here in the programs at Life Changing Services, the Eternal Warrior principles that are, are, you know, playing throughout all these different programs here at Life Changing Services. 
and often they're spoken to you in the season you're at, whether you're a young man or young woman, a man or a woman or a mom or, you know, or someone in betrayal trauma, like these principles are throughout all of our programs, but it is such a neat thing to hear someone speak how they understand them and things that the spirit has influenced them to, yeah, to just say, this is what stood out to me. And I speak it so clearly because I know the spirit has borne testimony to me of, of the truth of those things. And I can see it over and over and it works. It's a, it's a pattern that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thanks so much. All right. And so, yes, again, check the show notes. You can, I know you can find McCade going to lifechangingservices.org under the training and support tab under the coaches. You'll find him on the coaches page and yeah, we'll have your number and your email there in the show notes, but you'll be able also be able to find that information just from what I just said too. So yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much, McCain and good luck in Maine. Thank you so much. Yeah. As we go, how long do you think you'll be there? We'll probably be here for a year Okay. in Maine and then we'll go, hopefully I'll get into a PhD program and wherever I end up getting accepted is where we'll move next. That's awesome. Well, best of luck. So good. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. As you can see, we are very enlisted in what we have learned and hope to teach. If you have found today's message inspiring, please share this podcast with family and friends so others can enjoy and be edified along with us. Be sure to download the free book that holds all the core principles behind what we teach. This book is called Like Dragons Did They Fight. You will find a link for that free download at Like Dragons Free. And remember, you can find all the life-changing resources, programs, and trainings needed for you and your family at lifechangingservices.org.